What's up, everybody? Hey. <laughs> Put my notes up here. Nice. So, how many of you guys were here last week to hear Sean's amazing preachimony? <laughs> right? I know. And how many of you guys, when you would have walked in last week, would have been like, oh, I'm good, if someone would have asked you, kind of how Sean was talking about how we just stuck to the facts. And then at the end of the service, you were like, I am not quite as good as I walked in thinking I was. <laughs> right? Was anybody in the same boat as me? Yeah. That was me 100%. I walked in, I think I was talking to Julie, different people in the crowd, how are you? Oh, I'm awesome. Like, we're doing this thing in our yard, we're doing this thing in our house, like things are great, just facts. And then by the end, I was sitting over there and I was just like crying like a baby. <laughs> I was like the ugly kind of sobbing, like <laughs> kind of a cry. <laughs> and, um, and I was sitting over there and I was like crying to Mike and telling him all these things I was feeling and all these emotions that were overcoming me. And I'm facing this way and I don't know how many people came walking up behind me because normally we're mingling in the back afterwards. And um, I think Whitney Stadman was one of them. She came up and she's like, hey, Ash, like we need to get together soon. She saw my face and she's like, oh, like I'll catch you later. Like <laughs> God is good. You know, a couple of people walked by. I was like, God is good. And like got really awkward when they'd see my face. And um, <laughs> it was amazing. It was all really, really good things. And uh, <laughs> so tonight I'm going to talk through just some of those things that I realized when I was sitting there and crying and just things that have come through. Um, God's spoken to me this week, and for any of you guys that have heard me come up here and share my testimony or, or talk before, like usually it's been 100% centered around sex, and like mainly because that's been, yes, it's, um, that has been pretty much my journey since becoming a Christian, and, um, and you know, the victories I've had in abstaining from it, and the lessons God's taught me, and the sorrows, and just like the whole roller coaster that it's been. And I'm sorry to say tonight is not gonna be about sex. I am um, a married woman now, so, so if I had a testimony up here about things God's teaching me of abstaining from sex, you guys should probably send me to marriage counseling or something like that. Um, <laughs> um, but I don't know, I'll just kind of jump in and start sharing some of the things um, God taught me. So. Speaking of that, sex plays a small minor part in what I'm gonna talk about, but um, <laughs> so prior to being married, that was like a major hurdle that we struggled with. And, um, and it, sex was basically the main barometer that I used to gauge how my spiritual health was going. And so, seemed pretty basic. Not having sex, doing pretty good. Having sex, probably fall off the wagon. You know, and um, not communing with God very much. And that was pretty much all I knew because that was the main thing, um, our main focus. And the only way that we found that we were able to abstain from having sex leading up to marriage was to stay fully centered and in communion with God and praying and, and talking with him and all these things. And so I remember, you know, a few weeks leading up to getting married into our wedding day, Mike and I were talking and I was thinking, man, what is life gonna be like when we don't have this big like elephant in the room and this big thing to have to think about and like avoid and work towards and all this stuff. And like, what's our next challenge gonna be and what's life gonna look like, you know? And, um, and we didn't know, you know? And getting into marriage, we never, at least I never really stepped into a more mature barometer to gauge my spiritual health. And, um, 
And that was very apparent on Thursday night. So I was sitting there just wondering like, how the heck did I get here? Like, why are all these emotions here? Like, life has been hunky-dory, you know? Like, we got into marriage and we're just kind of like skating along because, like skipping because we don't have to worry about not having sex anymore. And, um, and so it's, it was very subtle, you know? Like, I started kind of just not communing as much with God because things just seemed perfect, you know? Like, um, and it just started showing up in very subtle ways that that was the case, and then very apparent ways because, you know, there wasn't like this blinking light or some physical indicator that telling me, hey, Ash, like you haven't really been on point in this area. And, um, and so as I was sitting there just like weeping on Thursday night and crying and all these things, God kind of just showed me that um, even though well, he kind of gave me this little image of, I don't know if you guys remember the old school phones, like the kind that had a thing called a cord that you plug into the wall, where like you have to pick it up and you dial the numbers and stuff. So I pictured one of those where you can pick it up and say I'm talking to you, and then we're done and I hang up my side of the phone, but you keep your side up. I can go and pick my phone up and then we just keep talking, like the connection was still there. And, um, and that's basically what God said to me. He was like, Ash, like, I finally went and picked up my side of the phone and he was still there and he was just like, hey, like awesome to hear from you. Like just started small talking with me. And it wasn't something like nagging, like I can't believe you haven't called or it's been so long, like grandmas or great aunts can sometimes do. And, um, and he was just like, Ash, you know, he just reminded me that you're not the one holding me, I'm the one holding you. And like it kind of even gave me another image of like rock climbing where, you know, you can be climbing up this rock and your life is pretty much depending on you holding onto this wall but if you fall or slip or whatever, um, get distracted and fall off, like they still, the harness has still got you, you know? And he's like, Ash, I, I got you, you know? And, um, and we just picked up right where we left off and this week has been amazing. And, you know, I was saying that subtle things started coming up, showing that like not on point. And a few of those were, um, normally I'm very like task oriented. I love having a ton of tasks, a ton of things to do. Like that's just a hobby, I guess, I don't know. And um, but lately, like, I've just felt super just heavy and, like, I never had enough time to do anything and I was dropping the ball and, and Waterbury at one point was just so graciously like, oh, okay, we'll put this task to someone else, really saying, like, you're not doing it, so I'm going to find someone who will. Um, and, um, not really, but that's whatever, it was whatever. And, uh, and then he was like, okay, so let's, you know, if you're overwhelmed, let's write a list out of all the things that are on your plate that you're doing here for Epic Life and work and whatever. So I write them all down and I'm reading them to myself and I'm just thinking like, that's not even like that much stuff and half the things I'm not even doing anyway because I'm off, you know? And then um, Shaddy texted me the other day and was like, hey Ash, like just checking in, what's the status on this? Like another ball had dropped and he doesn't even realize it, but Cody said something to me in the office the other day where I was sitting there and he made a comment like, Ash, you know, you really need to like keep control of all your excitement and emotions. Like kind of joking that I had just kind of been like, kind of pretty level, you know? And I was just like, man, like, I'm lacking the joy that I normally have and kind of excitement to be able to, like, laugh and do all these funny and fun things. And, um, and it was just interesting how God had kind of been prompting me in all these different areas, and I wasn't really, they, I was finally starting to listen, but Thursday really drove it home. And um, it's kind of like when you get prompted, like, in the morning when you go to put your pants on and they're a little too tight, like, I shouldn't sleep in tomorrow, I need to go to the gym, you know, kind of a thing. And sometimes you don't listen, you just keep sleeping. And like, finally I was like, I need to wake up out of this and figure it out. Um, and so that next morning or Saturday morning, I guess, 
I was one of those situations where, you know, when you haven't been like reading the Bible in a while, you're like, all right, God, it's like the eight ball, like give me something good, you know, and like you pop open to something and, um, and, and I popped open to 2 Corinthians and I was like, all right, I'll just read through here, that sounds good. And, um, and I came to 2 Corinthians 3.16 where it talks about, um, but whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the, the veil is taken away. And I know the veil is taken away when you're saved, but that pretty much identified exactly how I was feeling. And then there's freedom, it says. And, um, and I just felt like the fog that I had kind of been walking in and the ignorance and the laziness and just like feeling like not awesome was just like lifted. And I was finally feeling freedom again and emotions. Like I, f- I don't think I've cried in quite a while. And then for the next few days, I'd like go to the grocery store and I'd see someone in line. And I was like crying. And the guy was like, here you go, like awkward, you know, like bagging my groceries. Today I was taught, someone called in and, um, it was a lady, the first when I first got to the office, and she was saying she's hosting a 5K because her son just died because he has an addiction and overdose and all this stuff. And I'm like crying on the phone, you know. I'm like, all these emotions are flooding back, which is awesome, you know, and it's just felt really, really good. Um, and it just made me start thinking, too, that even though the veil is lifted, the enemy still attacks. And so it just made me think, how did I get to that point, and how do I not go back there again? And how do I fight off the enemy to not get back there again? Um, and a lot of it had to do, I started identifying all these thoughts. You know, because Sean was saying, like, when you believe a lie, like, that's one of the worst things you could do to kind of let the enemy start getting in. And it all started with a lot of these thoughts that I've identified. Um, and, you know, the enemy's constantly attacking, but it's our agreement that empowers the enemy. So the enemy's constantly attacking, but he's not empowered until we actually agree with him. Um, So a lot of us in the room are training for a half marathon and um, in March, so, and a lot of us train together. So there's a few of us girls who train together in here and we run, you know, every morning and, um, and it's so mental. You can go out and do an awesome 10 mile run and then the next day go out and do a three mile run and have a horrible run, the kind of run where you're like, why am I even trying? It's kind of a run. And, and it's so mental. So with the group that we run with, we usually don't, we try to avoid wearing um, earphones just because, you know, the mental strength and staying in tune. But we run in a group on purpose because the second, you know, you put your headphones in, you're kind of alone with your thoughts. And you start just like cutting yourself down. I'm not doing good. I'm not going to make it. Where's the next stop? You know, all this stuff. And it's amazing because you'll be running and all of a sudden you hear the person next to you like, <gasps> Like, like panicking, you know, as and we're just kind of jogging along, you know, and they were fine five seconds ago. And then you're like, all right, take your headphones out and you have to start like combating the lies, you know, like you're gonna be okay, you know, you're not gonna die, we're gonna make it, it's three miles, like we're five minutes out, kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, and it just kind of shows like the power in numbers, you know, and when, if you're running on your own and you get tired, like you're gonna walk, you know, but if you're with the group, like, you can conquer anything, you know? I mean, we're, like, crossing all these barriers, like, nine miles, holy cow, like, that felt awesome, let's do two more, you know, or whatever, not really. Um, <laughs> and um, it also, just the, the thought of the, like, when you start agreeing with the enemy, how it can, like, give them power. It made me think of this situation in our office where um, we get sales calls all the time, and, like, people from... Um, the yellow pages will call in and say, hey, just call in to verify, you know, if, if your address is correct. So just say yes, you know, if I'm correct. So we'll go through, we'll say, what's your address? 455 Capital Mall, yes. Phone number, yes. You know, and we'll, he'll, 
we'll say this. And then like six months later, we got this bill in the mail for like thousands and thousands of dollars. And um, we're like, what the heck is this? We never agreed to this. And it included, they also sent us this recording that had our voice saying, yes, 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 like we'll pay all these fees. And what happened was they recorded our voice agreeing to something about our address, but then like clipped it into another conversation saying yes and agreeing to this. And, um, and it's crazy, like I feel like the enemy does that sometimes. Like he tricks us into saying yes into something and then manipulates us into thinking that we agree with all these other accusations that he has against us. And it's like we just have to start identifying those fast to where we're like, no. So now anybody calls our office, we're just like, no, and we hang up, we don't even like, just the other day we were laughing because we're like, dang, Aaron, who is that? And he's just like, no. <laughs> so, not interested, click. <laughs> like, oh, it's awesome. But we need to get like that, you know, with the enemy too. And I identified kind of a few thoughts that had been coming into my, my mind, like fearful thoughts, um, negative thoughts, and just ones that we struggle with in general, lustful thoughts, critical thoughts, thoughts of discontentment, and kind of how these can all stem and breed into bigger things. Um, Fearful thoughts, so you know, so often we're scared of like, oh, I'm gonna lose my job, or I'm not gonna make rent, or I'm not like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm scared, you know, all these things. And, um, and one of the absolute, one of the very biggest things that I struggle with is, in fear is prayer. And not just, not just prayer in itself, like I can pray with God and be, that's great, but, um, but praying out loud and praying for people. And this has been something like, that's just been the worst, uh, I feel like, to deal with. So Thursdays we come up here, you know, we're doing worship, all this stuff, and usually like partway through worship, um, like I'll make my way to the edge or like to the back to get some water, or, like have to go to the bathroom right towards the end. And it's because I know that Waterbury goes around and grabs someone near him to pray up here on the microphone. And, um, and we laugh, but, um, but this is probably, the number one thing that was bringing me to tears on Thursday. And the fact that, you know, after service, um, like I'm on the prayer team and I like rarely come up here because the moment it comes time to pray, um, I just get like paralyzed in fear. And the fact that Sean mentioned that last week that he doesn't go up here or hasn't been going up here either, it was just crazy because it brought me such freedom to know like I am not the only one who struggles with this. And, um, and there's certain lies where you just feel incredibly ridiculous to say it out loud because like praying, like that should be like a normal Christian tendency, need, want, desire, you know, to pray for people, which it is for me, but I let the enemy say things and cut me down and make me think that I have nothing to offer um, in that area. When it comes that time, I hear lies like, you're gonna go up there and pray? Like you really think, you're gonna, first of all, you're gonna hear from God and second of all that like he's gonna speak through you, like that's never gonna happen. You're gonna get up there and have nothing to say. And you're gonna get up there and someone's gonna, you're gonna ruin someone's faith because they're gonna come up there and really need a miracle and a revelation and you're not gonna be able to deliver, like God's not gonna be able to deliver through you. And even today, driving to work, I was thinking about this and I was like crying, you know, and um, it's just crazy to me. Like, how do you, how do we as Christians like believe such ridiculous lies, you know? And something that's kept me so paralyzed and on the sidelines for, I don't even know how long, a long time. And, um, and that's pretty much what brought me the most sorrow because 
not so much about me, but of all the opportun- missed opportunities I've had to help minister to other people. And like, I can very specifically think of so many times where God's like, all right, this is the moment, like, they need your head, like, they need prayer, you know, and then it's like silent, you know, and, um, and just this week, I've just been like identifying like scripture and like tools and things that I can use to just pray against the enemy, you know, like Matthew 10, 20, at that time, you'll be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of the father speaking through you. And then the enemy immediately will be like, yeah, but he's not gonna speak through you. Like, you're not even gonna, you have to hear him first for him to speak through you, you know? And then it's like, okay, then John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, you know? And whoever belongs to God hear what God has to say. And like, I've just been thinking these things throughout the week and just like, try, like trying to believe them, you know? Because it's been so long that I've been believing the opposite. And it's just, like, it feels ridiculous to say it out loud. Um, I'm just being real. <laughs> Um, other ones are just negative thoughts, you know, like, I'm not good enough, I don't have what it takes, I um, haven't been a Christian long enough, I don't pray enough, you know, all these things, I'm a second string Christian. And I think, um, I don't know, like, maybe there are situations where you felt like a second string Christian, I know I have, and mainly because of the bondage in the area of prayer. Like, if you can't pray, like, you're not first string, you know, kind of a thing, like, that's what I hear in my, in my head. And, um, it's like if a, if a healing is being needed, are, are you the one God calls, you know, to orchestrate that healing? And, or are you just, you know, a bench warmer or someone in the stands kind of watching it all go down, which is definitely the person that I've been lately. It's like, I would love to go on these treasure hunts and do all these things. Like, I admire all the people that do that. And so fearlessly, like, so, well, he just stands up here and says things, like, so nonchalant and so absolute, you know, and I... He goes out there and just prays for people and they're healed and I'm like, man, like I would love to do that stuff but these, believing these lies have literally kept me from being in the game. And, um, and it's just like my whole life, I pretty much came out of the womb playing sports and I have pictures of me in a diaper like with a softball mitt and like playing sports my whole life. It was like dream college, play sports, all that stuff. So it's like to be an athlete, be first string in those types of things and then step into the like church body and always constantly feel second string has been such a battle in my mind, you know, and just like struggle. And, um, and God this week was like, Ash, like there's no second, like second string doesn't exist. Like you are all first string. Like I love you all the same, you know? And um, he's like, there's not even tryouts or auditions, you know, because sometimes like thinking of a team, you're like anxious because I don't want to be chosen last or like I don't want to not be chosen at all or all this stuff. And God's like, I chose you before. Like there's not even tryouts or figuring it out or anything. Like you're mine, you're on the team, but it's your choice if you want to be in the game or on the sidelines. And I was like, oh, dang it. Like, yeah, like I want to be in the, put me in coach, you know, kind of a thing. And um <laughs> And this week, that's just what I've been thinking, like how boring, like just watching, you know, and be in the action. And um, it's crazy how, like it's so easy for us to believe what God says about himself and so difficult for, him to, for us to believe what he says about us. Like so easy, we're like, he'll say all these amazing things about himself, we're like, oh God, you're so good. And then he says all these great things about us, and we're like, well, I meant to sit in that seat tonight, so maybe you have me mixed up with whoever was supposed to sit here because I'm not all those great things, you know? And um, we just get it like, 
like, oh, we reflect them all. Like how Sean was saying last week, like you should just shoot them all down, you know? And um, just this week, just trying to like pray all those things over me. Like I actually am those things and trying to write it on my heart, like, and believe it, you know? Um, And just so often there's thoughts of discontentment and critical thoughts and, um, you know, like not being good enough or not um, having struggled enough or not being born into this, you know, a family that doesn't love me. I've, a major struggle that I have is um, being guilty of the life that I live. I think a major thing that puts walls up between me interacting with other people is um, I feel guilty that I wasn't built in, or born into a family where my dad was absent or where, um, where I've lost everything and have to come back, like regain, I don't really know how I'm trying to explain it, but um, yeah, so. I think, so basically what I'm trying to explain is the enemy basically uses the facts of my life to keep me from sharing the feelings of my life. So he may constant, the enemy keeps pushing me back to the facts. So if I ever have a feeling where I'm feeling um, like distant from God or I'm feeling like isolated or I'm feeling like I'm going through a struggle that, I'm, that I wanna express to someone and talk to them, the enemy constant will pull out this like clipboard almost and be like, Let me get this straight. You have a house, it's bigger than you need. You have a husband, you have an awesome marriage, you have your health, you know, and he'll just like go off and list off this whole list of things and say, you have this and you wanna just, there's something wrong in your life that you feel like you can complain about or feel bad about. And I'm like, well, I guess guess you're right, you know? I, guess, I just feel guilty and like selfish for even ever wanting to share anything or talk to anyone else about it. And, um, and it keeps me isolated because, again, I stick to the facts. Oh, you know, things are good. Um, you know, doing awesome. Uh, how about you? You know, and I'll just turn the questions back onto the other person. And, um, and that's just been like something that's really been apparent to me lately, talking to people and say, Ash, like, I rarely ever get like details about how you're feeling or, or what you're doing or kind of what's going on other than facts. And some of my closest friends just recently have said that to me and I'm like, what the heck? Like people I've lived with, you know, like feel that way. And, um, and it's interesting because this week it took me back to a place where in middle school, um, I remember pretty vividly, I was standing or in the living room, and struggling with some math homework. And um, I remember calling my mom in, and um, she was, you know, I was like, Mom, I can't figure out this math problem. And uh, she was like, all right, yeah, I'll check it out, you know, and then she came in, was reading the math problem, and then I just so vividly remember this look of like, um, like she was mortified and just embarrassed and all these things, because she didn't, she didn't know the answer and she didn't know how to help me, and, and she kind of just left the room. And I remember from that like very moment, I said to myself, I'm never gonna ask of anything from anyone, and make any, but do so, anything to make someone else feel uncomfortable or not like worthy or not smart 
or not, whatever, you know? And, um, and it was crazy because you'd think that you would work through that kind of a thing like in Christ's life or like talking with someone. And I've gone through all the three phases. And, um, and again, it goes back to kind of like feeling guilty of having like a decent, a decent life. So in Christ's life, you know, there's people who have been through like really crazy things, you know, and, and I feel guilty that the worst thing that I can share is, you know, this math problem situation or um, I, my boyfriend broke up with me in college and I was devastated, you know, and just like, it keeps me from sharing because I would never want to make anyone else feel bad and I feel like it's just a selfish thing to talk about um, that I have a need or a want that it would burden someone else to ask them for, for help. And, um, and it sounds crazy, again, like for me to like say out loud because it's not things you talk about, you know, obviously because I don't communicate some of those things with people out loud. And, um, and it takes you out of the game, again, to be interacting with other people and, and doing such things. Um, and it's interesting because I, you know, was, I just felt like this week God was like, you know, Ash, you're hiding the very things in your life that I'm trying to use, um, I'm trying to use. And the things when I do have those, you know, just feelings of like discontentment or not feeling good enough or whatever it might be that, like you need to share that because other people are going through the same things like just how Mary shared and Sean and like we're sitting in isolation in here and all of us have these different reasons for not talking to others and communicating with each other. And, um, and God was just like, Ash, do you love me? And I was like, yeah, like, of course. He's like, exactly. Like, that's, that's all you need to be in the game. You know, like, you don't need anything else. You don't need to have a horrific pastor, a good pastor. It doesn't need to be all these, like, outward things that make a difference of how close and effective you can be in the kingdom. Like, you are effective just in the self that we are in communion together. And, um, and like, first Samuel, where it says, like, you know, man looks outwardly, God looks inwardly at our heart, like he knows our heart and what we're trying to do for the kingdom and how we want to commune with him. And, um, and takes his, he takes the focus off the facts and puts it on our heart. And it's almost like in all these situations, I kept picturing basketball where, um, you know, like when you're trying to move the ball down court, like you're passing the ball to all these spots and like I've been out of the game, so it's like they go to pass the ball to wherever I'm supposed to be standing and it just like goes off into the stands, you know? It's like you need to get in the game so we can continue as a, as a body of Christ, like, you know, being part of the community and helping save people and impact people and all these things. Like, it's not about you. Like, get over all anything. Like, it's about everyone else that can be impacted here. Um, and it's just crazy to think, like, how, you know, one little thought can lead into these really, really other bigger, complex, deadening thoughts, you know, and... Um, and it's just a matter of taking inventory of our thoughts. You know, like daily thinking, what are thoughts that I've been having today? And sharing them with someone, like sharing them with someone that can bring, you tr bring truth. You know, because um, so often we'll say it out loud, but then we're not really combating it with anything or, or thinking differently when we are sharing it out loud. Because um, you can think your way into the wilderness, but you can also think your way out of it. So like in um, Philippians 4, when it talks about... Um, you know, focus on what is true and what is honorable and like things of God, like thoughts of God, you know? And it's like, I haven't arrived yet, but I've at least left, started leaving the wilderness, you know? And it's like any of us in this room that are doing that, like 
man, it feels good to get out, you know, and be able to like see again and have freedom and, um, and it's like the scary thing is, like, I just remember I'd be praying and I'm thinking like, I'm doing good things, like I'm praying, it's positive, you know, that's a good thing to be doing to help combat against the enemy, but sometimes misprayed prayers can actually open the door to the enemy too. Like I know, like when Mike and I initially, it'd be like, God, please like give us strength and um, give us, you know, wisdom to make good choices and like all these things. And then he's like, sweet, like he'll totally take advantage of that because in our minds, the praying that way is like, we don't currently have the strength and we cur- don't currently have the wisdom. So he's like, you don't have this, you're not very smart. Like here's, you know, a worse choice. Whereas if we're praying like, God, thank you, like in Thanksgiving, you know, like God, thank you for giving me the mind of Christ. Thank you for giving me the strength. It's speaking like life over you that you already have that, you know, and it's shutting out the enemy by reaffirming all the things God has already done in you. And um, man, it makes such a, such a humongous difference because it's like in your prayer life, are you magnifying the problem or are you magnifying God? Because whichever one you magnify is gonna grow stronger. So it's like if you're magnifying that I don't have the mind of Christ, like, you're gonna start possibly making bad decisions, you know, because you're operating out of not having the mind of Christ. Um, and it's like, think about Adam and Eve, you know, I mean, they didn't have a job to petition for or finances that they were like trying to rebuild or a relationship that they were trying to fix, you know, all these things, but they still met and communed with God in the cool of the day. And it's like, why? Like, they just enjoyed being with him. You know, it's just so different than how we do it now. Like we're constantly like begging God to do something or begging him to do something else or asking, you know, all this stuff. And um, it's funny, just like driving over here, I thought of um, like, what if Scarlett went to Eric and was like, Daddy, can I have a sandwich? You know, and he'd be like, sure, you know, or whatever. Well, he would, all right, let me start my analogy. (laughs) So (laughs) I botched it. If, um... If Scarlett went to Eric and was like, hey, can I have a sandwich? He's not gonna be there and be like, beg me, you know? He's gonna be like, sure, you can totally have a sandwich. That's how it was supposed to go. Um, (laughs) And um, like it's the father's heart to wanna just give, you know, like provide for us and do all these things. And, And I started thinking like the opposite. If Scarlett, maybe when she's older, she's like, daddy, you know, maybe has motocross on the TV and she's like, I want a dirt bike. And maybe he's already bought one for her and it's in the garage. But he's like, got on order a helmet and knee pads and elbow pads and all these things because he wants her to be protected like once he gives her this gift, you know? And so time has to go by because he's waiting for it to come and he's already got it all in the works, but she's getting impatient. She's like, I want a dirt bike, you know? And she's like demanding and begging. And as she's doing that, she's like losing faith because it's not happening. And you know, maybe in the meantime, he's like, here, here's like a toy dirt bike to keep you happy, you know, and we get something that's not necessarily look like how we wanted it. Or maybe it's instructions on like how to ride it or be safe, I don't know, or video. And, um, and just how we lose faith in that kind of time when maybe it's God's just prepping us to make sure that we're safe once, you know, we're ready once we get whatever we're asking for. And um, I know there have been times in my life where it's like, oh man, like you're just like, ready to give up, but we just can't see the other side to know like, is it it's, might already be in the works, you know? We just have to keep faith as it's happening. And um, it's like prayer becomes religious when we're doing, like when we're praying in ways that God didn't intend. 
So it's like we're begging or we're praying four hours a day just to like check it off a box, you know, and it's not necessarily bearing any, any fruit in our lives. Um, when I was going, I was um, still reading through 2 Corinthians, the whole eight ball deal, and uh, I came to, uh, it's crazy because it was a scripture I've read, I don't know, heard preached a million times, um, read a bunch of times, but it's funny because, um, tangent, I have a Bible where, you know, you, I'll use different colors kind of like over years or a couple different Bibles. And it's funny to go back in times like when Mike and I were, before we were married, like struggling with the whole sex thing, how all the scriptures that stuck out to me were like ones on forgiveness and ones on, oh, remember this, like write the letters on your heart, like things like dealing with like sin, you know? And now, and like how there's different phases and how you start maturing in, in what scriptures are kind of sticking out to you. And, um, it's funny because I've heard this one a bunch of times, but this time it, it got real for me just because it was something specific that I was dealing with. But in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5, the weapons we fight with are not of the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every petition that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And, you know, it's crazy because I used to be super discouraged to read the Bible because there's just so much to get out of it that I'd be like, I don't want to read something and then not get the full, like everything, like wring everything out of it. And I'm just like, why even try, you know, if I'm going to miss like all this good stuff? And God's like, it's like, God, what's the deal? You know, and he's like, well, you're right. You're not going to get everything out of it right now. Like you may not even be ready to get everything out of it. He's like, that's fine. I'm still going to minister to you anyway. And, um, so it was like, that was just encouraging. Like, I'm going to get out of it kind of what's pertinent in my life at this moment. And then maybe down the road when I'm ready for something else, he'll show me something else about scripture. So now I just read and with Google, you know, and then I can like Google certain things. And, um, and I was reading, not Google and like distract myself, but Google like scripture. <laughs> um, but like, for instance, in this, where it talks about divine power, it's actually in the Greek where we get the word um, dynamite, explosive power. And stronghold, translated from the Greek, also means um, like a fortress or like a prisoner, a person in prison type thing. And it's just crazy to read this and see how the weapons we have have the power to free the prisoners. And um, I think so many of us can be prisoners just of ourselves, of our thoughts, all these things. And we hold the keys and we hold the power to totally destroy the enemy, to free ourselves, and sometimes to free others, like out of the prison that we're in. And... um, and it's just so encouraging because so often I'll do something, like if it's for myself, like say I don't clean my car for like a month. Like I would totally clean someone else's, but I just, I'm more likely to do something for someone else like than not. So I think a lot of us in this room are likely to like go out of their way to help somebody, whereas we might not even do it for ourselves. But the fact that we can read this and be like, we have the keys to free somebody else. Like sometimes that's way more motivating to get you to like get ourselves to start reading and getting in the word and all this stuff. Um, it was weird on the way over here I was thinking like all the people living in the Bible didn't know that their life was going to be part of the Bible and it's like what if Waterbury or someone in this room was someone who was like writing the next chapter of the Bible what if all of our lives were going to be let's say that there was going to be a next Bible in the Bible like, what would they look like? Would they be one of the chapters that you're like, hmm, and just kind of like pass by? <laughs> or 
know, you'd be the ones where you're like constantly going through and like getting revelation and highlighting, you know, and all that stuff. And it was just like such a challenge to me. Like, I want to stop sucking in a way, you know, and just like start being awesome. Like, we want to be awesome parts of like an awesome chapter. Like, have our life be an awesome, powerful story and testament to other people, you know, because our lives are the witness. And it's people like cracking up over here. Um, and I don't know, just take a second and think, like what is a feeling that you've experienced this week? And try to think, what is a feeling you experienced that maybe was derived from a lie? And maybe even if it was a lie that, um, that you fought off, like that's fine too. But it made me think, um, last week when Sean was talking about how in community, like we can be in community and be in isolation. And that like saddened me so much to think of how many of us is that happening too? And, um, and um, so yeah, take your feeling, it just needs only one, and just say it, just that one word, I don't know, introduce yourself if you don't know, but most of us are probably sitting by people we know or friends, and just be vulnerable and just say the word to the person next to you. Go. <laughs> or talk for a second and then we'll come back. Mm-hmm. Well, that was more than, you guys had a lot of feelings. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, I'm all about application. So if last week, Like, Sean's message challenged me so much just to change how I'm thinking, what I'm feeling, like talking, like opening up about feelings. And I think, I don't know, that's just, to me, that's the next step in opening conversation. So now, every single person in this room, like Derek, text a feeling or whoever's upstairs, Sal, to someone. And now you have context to open a conversation with someone. And you know a feeling that they've had, whether it was a positive feeling or maybe a not so positive feeling to where you can now start a conversation at some point and say, man, like, what caused you to have that feeling? Like, did something awesome happen, something not so awesome? Is there a lie that I can help bring truth to, to bring light on? And I don't, if it's someone you know, like, exchange numbers, talk about it and get it out into the light and start bringing truth to whatever that situation is. Um, Mike and I were out riding. We recently got into like dirt biking, we mountain bike and stuff. And um, and when I first got into it, I was like, I did not know what I was doing, how to ride. Like I wasn't good. And all these guys out there are really, really good. And so I was navigating, trying to figure out, okay, well, when I buy like one of the dirt bike gear, do I want to buy one with pink in it, or do I want to buy one that's like really guy looking, you know? And I had all these theories of who I wanted to portray myself to be. So do I want people to know that I'm a girl so that maybe they'll cut me a little slack if I'm not writing very good? Or do I want to look like a guy and like tuck my ponytail in so that they'll like take me more seriously, you know, and that kind of stuff. And like navigating this through my head of, I can be whoever I want out there because they can't see what's underneath. And um, I think a lot of the times we come into Epic and we're like, we have this outside exterior, like, like yeah, I'm doing really awesome. But it's like, take the chance and let someone see who's underneath. And if you're the other person, like, take a chance and try to dig a little deeper. Like, maybe it's an awkward conversation, but ask those questions. Like, you know one feeling about them. So say, 
it's not that hard. Like, man, what caused that feeling? You know, or if you need some other questions to start a conversation, like I'd be happy to email some to you. Um, and like start the conversation. Like we are a family here and community that doesn't want to let people just like be in isolation. You know, like we want to help each other come out of it. And um, this last weekend we were riding and I crashed like three or four times. And one time I like threw my bike down because I was so angry. And because every time I crashed, I was only going like five, not even zero to five miles an hour. And, um, <laughs> and um, <laughs> um, it's because as you, when I would get to tough terrain, my natural instinct is to want to stop and to start slowing down and kind of like whatever, and then I'd fall. And, um, and I learned that if you were able to go faster through those harder parts, and the only way I was really able to go much faster is if Mike did it first. Because I was able to see exactly what course he took, like how he hit certain little bumps, and I would just follow exactly what he was doing. And you know how we say, like, you can get someone somewhere faster. Like, if you've done something, you can get the other person there like 10 times as fast. And, um, and that's exactly like what Mike was modeling for me this weekend. And it's like, let's do that for each other here. You know, anyone else in our lives, like there's people in our lives that need to know like what we're struggling with, what we've struggled with in the past. No matter how ridiculous it seems to you, like your testimony speaks to somebody. And, um, and like don't just settle for the facts because there's people in here struggling with, silently in desperation that they want somebody to ask them how they're feeling. And um, yeah, and be that person. <laughs> and that is all I have. Really? Mm. Mm.